Arizona, Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with the decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Now. Weekly visits with the general manager of the Coyotes here on the Burns and Gambo show. Last night, the Coyotes fall to the Toronto Maple Leafs by a score of 6-3. to three. It is a rough, rough stretch for the organization right now, which is why we appreciate Bill Armstrong joining us right now to talk about that because I'm sure it wouldn't be high on his list of things to do right now. Bill, we do appreciate you coming on, man. How you doing? Uh, it is true. I'm, I'm doing good. Um, you know, there's, uh, I, I believe in... Uh, you know, there's good times and there's and there's bad times, and you and you kind of got to get through both. And it's important for your organization to go through both. Um, it, it builds character and it teaches you the value of winning. And uh, we're going through that that uh, that uh, that part of the process. That's not so fun. No, an 11 game losing streak in which you guys have just really str- given up a lot of goals. I mean, it seems like every game it's five yeah. or more goals, um, which is really hurting. Uh, how, how do you? You know, what do you say to the team in a situation like this? I mean, right now their confidence must be extremely low and it must be very difficult to go to the rink each night thinking that you're going to lose a hockey game. Yeah, it, it is. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, listen, I was back in junior, was with the number one ranked team. We lost 10 games in a row, went on to win a national championship. The, they won a championship in Providence in the American League. We won 19 games the year before. We went on to set records for the most wins with the same team the following year. But the Blues, we were dead last uh, in January 1st in the league and went on to win. Um, you have to go through a little bit of this process to value winning. And I think it sometimes, you know, we've, we've come up against great competition down the stretch, um, incredible competition that we've played. And it's a reminder on, on how good the league is and, and how due diligent you have to be on being disciplined from stupid penalties um, to making sure that you get your man at all times. And, 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 and you know, it's been, a, it's been a rude awakening for us. I think it's been a learning process. Uh, but it's something that you need to go through. Uh, so we're going to grow from it, and our team continues to work to get through it every day. Let's talk about it. You said it. Stupid penalties. They had two power play goals in the first period. You dig yourself a big hole. Yeah. You get down three nothing. Lots of giveaways. Some in your own zone. What you know? What what do you what do you do to get out of that? I mean, what do you do to be more disciplined and not take those penalties that are putting you in such a big hole? Well, you know, I think you, you get your group to be a part of it. And I think that's what our coach, coach is real good at. And I think that's part of when you go through this process is getting your players to buying in, um, to being more disciplined, you know, six on the ice. You get three penalties per game. You want to get into the power play. Uh, so you want to get into making the playoffs as a team. You can only take three three penalties per game. Uh, and it's important that, that our team understands that and we're undisciplined at times with our with our sticks and it, it costs us and it's it's you're not gonna listen Toronto is an incredibly talented team <laughs> you're not gonna get through their power plays especially when you put them on five on three so um, you know it's it's a process that we go through uh, we've got a young team and, 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 and we've got learned but I do believe there's great growth from this group the one thing that you like about our group is they're not gonna roll over and die they're gonna come back Veg faced 16 shots last night in the first period I think 10 of those shots were yeah. when they were on the power play how not that he's exonerated for what happened last night but how yeah. difficult does life get for him when he's got to deal with that on his end 
Well, it's it's the most difficult thing is the first shot of the game that he's seen is right down the slot, about 100 miles an hour at him, but nobody in front, and it's we're we're giving up that, and that has to be you know we've we've tried to address that with the group and and get our group to understand that our first period, if we're walking out of the first period with the lead, our record's incredible. If we're down by two, it's not so good, and we've got to be better as a team to come play in the in the first 10 minutes of the period. Um, in the last 11 games it's cost us um, and that's something that we're, we're looking to fix and grow and our team's been made aware of it and uh, we're going to see if we can grow through this process right now did you like at least the bounce back i mean late second period you get the goal by by gunther it's four three at least you gave yourself a yeah. chance in that third period before they you know they scored that one to make a five three but you guys did bounce back and very very late in the last few seconds you've got you got the goal that made it a one goal game yeah, I, I love our bounce back. I love our our, our 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 fact that we can come back and we can we can push. We've got the skill to do that. We have the skill to hang with the you know with the big clubs, and there's still more. Logan Cooley, Dylan Gunther, they're getting better every game, um, and there's still a lot of growth in our team ahead of us. Um, but what we have to do is there's a fine line between winning and losing in the NHL. It might be where you put the puck with a minute left in the period. It might be does your forward block a shot? Is does your goaltender make a timely save at the right time? You know, to beat the big boys in in the NHL, you've got to walk that line. And as an organization and a young group, we have not done a good job of that. And that's something that our team has to understand. There's a fine, there's a small line to win or losing, and we've got to do a much better job of walking that. Bill, we appreciate you coming on, especially during such tough times with an 11-game losing streak like this. We appreciate the conversation. Best of luck in your next game as you start this road trip. We'll talk to you in a week, okay? I appreciate that, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Coyotes, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Free agency is also another big area where we are definitely going to be active in free agency. You know, what does that mean? You know, I, I can't spell that out for you right now. I don't know what that means, like, because we don't completely control that, right? Uh, there's, there's a market and there's players that we think are going to be available right now that two weeks from now are not going to be available. So, you know, free agency is full of unknowns in that respect. And also, you know, there's, there's dangers in free agency. You know, that was money awesome for earlier today on the Bickley and Murata show as part of Newsmakers Week. I'm playing that because free agency starts in a few weeks. We haven't seen the Cardinals linked to a lot of names out there, but today on ESPN, actually I think it was a couple of days on ESPN, there was an insider piece on the best free agent fit for the top 50 free agent guys that are out there. Very interesting. It shows an inside linebacker for the Cardinals. Ha. Frankie Louvu from the Carolina Panthers yeah. as a guy to pair next to Kaiser White to really improve that defense, suggesting a three-year, $30 million contract with $17 million guaranteed as the best free agent fit for the Cards. Very interesting position. Yeah, played speaking. in the Pac-12 at Washington State, so some you know Sun Devil or Wildcat fans may be familiar with him. Uh, he was a Washington State kid. He's been in the league for six years. He's just a solid tackler. Just a guy that goes out there and just, you know, gets a lot of tackles. You know, year after year after year. Had a really good game against the Cardinals when he played against them. I think that was last year. I think he played against the Cardinals and had a solid game against them. So, you know, maybe maybe that stood out. So, just a good football player. He had a, he had 11 tackles, 6 solo, 5 assists, uh, 1 stop for loss, and an interception in a game against the Cardinals on October 2nd of last year. So um, just a solid veteran player that if you want to bring into the mix, you're not going to pay a 
fortune for him, but what did you say, three years and $30 million? That's what was projected by one website. Okay. Three years, $30 million, $17 million guaranteed. It's not a terrible. It's not a terrible contract for a good football player. No, no, you know? it's, it's not. It's just a question of, and this is where things are going to get kind of dicey. Whether we talk about the draft or whether we talk about free agency with the Cardinals, things are going to get dicey because a lot of times you're going to hear us talking about, well, they need this, they need that, they need everything. There's they nothing, do. There's nothing they don't need. No. And Monty, when he was on this morning with Bickley and Murata, even said, "Look, we we need good football players." You're like, and he doesn't want to give away what positions he's looking for, but he's not wrong. Defensive line, cornerback, offensive line, wide receiver, backup quarterback, running back. Like this, they need a lot. There's nothing they don't need with a roster. So you're going to tell me that money would be better spent on a more premium position? Okay, we can have that conversation, but don't tell me they don't. Need need somebody to play next to Kaiser White at inside linebacker. They need that guy. I don't know if that's where they want to allocate the resources, but there's a need there. There's a need all over the field for the Cardinals right now with the way with the way the roster looks. No, free agency will be interesting. They'll sign three or four guys, you know, and they'll they'll get some guys that are decent. They're not going to overspend on anybody. They're not going to be big spenders, but they'll plug a lot of holes with free agency with the money they have, and then they'll, you know, they'll bring in a lot of players in the draft that they expect to play right away. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show the Arizona Diamondbacks did a great job this offseason preparing themselves to defend their National League Championship banner. Why did other MLB teams not follow the Arizona Diamondbacks lead this offseason? Someone's asking that question and we're going to try to answer it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Suns at the Mavericks. Pre-game at 4.30 this afternoon on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app much it means to our players and our fans as well. So we do want to celebrate it. We're going to be doing a lot, Vic. You know, that first weekend, we have a four-game series with the Rockies here, and we, we normally like to open up on the road, but I'm glad we're opening at home because it, it's really a celebration of what these, these young players just accomplished. And for us to be able to, to showcase the new banner, you know, for the NL champs out in left field. And then game two, where we're going to be able to give the rings out to the players and the coaches in, in a ring ceremony. And we're going to have, you know, T-shirts that weekend as well. And as you said, we have replica rings during the year. So there's plenty of chimes and opportunities for us to, to still celebrate it. But we really have to focus on, on 2024 as well. And, and we're going to do a good job, hopefully, of balancing both. That's Derek Hall. He was on this morning with Bickley Murata on Newsmakers Week, kind of balancing, looking back and looking ahead, um, celebrating last year, but at the same time trying to forget about last year, which is going to be a tricky line for the Diamondbacks to walk, I think, this year. Yeah, they usually, I think they usually, don't they usually start on the road? Typically. Yeah. Typically. They usually start I mean, on Not the... always, but it seems like lately they've been, like the last two or three years, it feels like they've been starting on the yeah. road. Yeah. So Colorado. Colorado and then the Yankees and come the to Yankees, town. Right off right the shoot, right 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 the, the Yankees shoot. will come to town. Yeah. No, it'll be, you know, and I think even, uh, I think I heard them joking on that broadcast. There's something going on when the Phillies come to town. Replica rings. The replica rings. And they're giving away the replica rings right. during the Phillies during the series. Phillies, which is, which because is, we own Philly sports here do. in Arizona. We, we own your ass. Yeah, Jonathan Gannon yeah. owns you. The Arizona Diamondbacks mm. own you. Cardinals oh. punk the Eagles. Oh, Diamondbacks punk the Phillies. Play all that sound from the Philly fans after they got bounced by the Diamondbacks, just to remind yeah. you exactly what that ownership looks exactly. like. They do. The Diamondbacks are, um, there was a story yesterday on The Athletic about the most improved teams in Major League Baseball. I like this story. And as you would expect, the Diamondbacks were very high on that list. There was another story on The Athletic today, and the headline is simply, why haven't others gone in like the Arizona Diamondbacks had? And they pointed out 
that in that same story that named the Diamondbacks as one of the most improved teams in Major League Baseball, within that same story, most of all of these anonymous baseball executives said that there were a whole bunch of teams in Major League Baseball that not only didn't improve themselves, didn't improve themselves at all. And they're kind of asking the question, why did the Diamondbacks spend? Why did the Diamondbacks invest? Why did the Diamondbacks go for it when all of these other teams chose not to go for it? There's one logical explanation. If the Diamondbacks lost, we, 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 me and you were at a uh, an event this morning, the Batters Up Breakfast out at the the, uh, uh, the Salt River Fields. And we spoke with Mike Hazen, and we spoke with Tori Lovello, and we spoke with Chris Graziola, and, and um, Tom Candy. And Candy, too, yep. and Candy. So we did this event there, and one of the things Mike Hazen talked about is like, hey, we almost lost to the Brewers. If we would have lost that first game, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that big hit by Corbin Carroll, we might have lost to the Brewers. Bernsey, if they lose to the Brewers in that series, they don't spend all this money. No, no. So you're asking why? Because you have it. It's like you have. You just hit the lottery. You hit the lottery. Now you're going to go buy you know new furniture, a new car. You might get a new. They hit the lottery. They hit the lottery last year. Mm-hmm. If they lose to the Brewers in the first round, they don't have the money to spend. They're not getting Eduardo Rodriguez and, and Suarez and Jock Peterson. This doesn't happen. No, like they don't have the highest payroll in the history of the Diamondbacks. If they get blanked in the in the wild card round, so why did they do it? Because they had the money. They had. An, if you remember the cut by Ken Kendrick when he was on with us, we've got this infusion, this unexpected infusion of money. And we're going to spend it. Yeah. So why did the Diamondbacks do it and others didn't? Because they had the money. And maybe these other teams, you know, you you make a... Derek Hall and his group every year come up with a budget. Here's what we think we're going to make on the sea. Here's how many fans we think. Here's how many hot dogs and beers. And this is what we think our budget's going to be. The Diamondbacks blew their budget out of the water last year because they had four playoff rounds. And that added a bunch of money that allowed them to go spend. Yeah, here's the line I was looking for in the story. I don't disagree with you, by the way, but I think there's I think there's another element to this as well that I'm going to bring up here in a minute. Okay. Uh, Jason Stark's annual spring training survey. Folks inside the game. So there are 30 teams in Major League Baseball. 21 of the 30 got votes for least improved. Okay? Two-thirds of the league got a vote for, yes, yeah, the least improved team in Major League Baseball. That many? That many. Two-thirds. In other words, it's like inside baseball, they're having a hard time deciding which team did the least to make themselves better. This obviously not part did of it. Did you see the Red Sox players? Oh, yeah. Devers? Oh, Devers is calling out the organization for not doing more right. to try he, to field a winner. He got a contract for $300 million, but they didn't do anything. They added Lucas Giolito, and he's like... We're going to suck again. Just letting everybody know, we're going to suck you two years in a row. They've had a below 500 record, and they're going to have another below 500 record. It's almost like, and I don't think they quite mentioned this in the article. This is just kind of me thinking along here. It's almost like a bunch of these other teams around Major League Baseball saw what the Diamondbacks did last year before they spent the money, before they reinvested, and they thought to themselves, hey, look, let's be honest. If we could just win 85, 86 games, and get in, who the hell knows what happens after that, right? It's almost like the Diamondbacks showed everybody there's a way where you don't have to be dominant in the regular season. You don't have to be the best team in your division. You just need to get in. Just be good enough to get in, and then you roll the dice and you take your chance. It's filled with risk, 
And to your point, had the Diamondbacks been bounced by the Milwaukee Brewers, none of this is going on. None right of it now. happens. But I do wonder if other teams, at least some of them, are kind of following that model of, hey, let's not overinvest. Let's invest to be just good enough to see if we're good enough to get in, and then we can maybe go on a run like the Diamondbacks well, did. I think there's another angle here that we haven't hit on. Okay, you see, what the, you see what the Pirates did today? No, what they do they? Very, very small, you know, under the radar. They signed Mitch Keller, one of their bright young pitchers, to a five-year, $77 million contract. Okay. Five-year, $77 million. They bought bought out a bunch of arbitration years. He's 27. He was a uh, he was a, the number one. He was, a, he was a high pick for them, number two or something like that. Um, he was supposed to hit free agency in 2025, so now they buy it out. They've also done that for Brian Hayes. They did it for Brian Reynolds. The, the the Braves have been very famous for doing that. The Mariners did it with Rodriguez. The Diamondbacks did it with Corbin Carroll. Me and you discussed the other day whether they do sh- do that should do that with Gabriel Moreno. Maybe a lot of these teams feel like the best way to go about winning is to get a bunch of these young players and lock them up long term and keep them long term and pay them long term instead of spending the money on Cody Bellinger, yeah. and Matt Chapman. Now, now, be fair, you know, half of this market's being held up by those four or five players who are represented by Scott Boris and the staring contest continues, right? So that, that has something to do with this as well. But yeah, it is. Uh, it, and believe me, it was a very complimentary article. It's like, look, the Diamondbacks, they got in. They had a near miss. They learned from it. They doubled down and they bought themselves some really good players this offseason. Why aren't other teams doing it? And the whole league seems to be baffled. Like, like why, you know, why aren't other teams investing? And maybe, maybe it's, it's all of these things, right? It's the Boris guys and it's they want to sign the young players to the long term contracts. And maybe teams just, hey, just get in. Let's see if we're good enough to get in. Look Here's, at the teams that spent, look at the Mets last year, how much money they spent on that payroll. It was a they sucked. It was a well, well, the Dodgers they, spent a ton of jack last year. What did it matter, right? Like right. The, got bounced early, the, first round, the, first first real round. How many times did we talk about payroll, payroll, payroll in every single playoff series the Diamondbacks played? Oh, the Dodgers have this. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Phillies have that. Oh, they the were Rangers so far have behind. That. The Rangers oh, were so yeah, far ahead of them. them. Yeah. In all of them, yeah. Here's that Kendrick cut you were talking about. Well, uh, uh, it's a great question. The um, uh, the opportunity that playing all of these games creates is an economic windfall that was not planned. And so it's always been uh, our uh, approach to this uh, uh, to this ball club over all the years that we reinvest the dollars that we have back back into the payroll of our team. And uh, the, there is a windfall of this last uh, month, and we will use that uh, to invest back uh, in the players on the field, and it will allow us to make some additions to the roster. It was back on November second. True to his word, yeah. he said exact. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Ken yep. Kendrick, true to his word, spent that money. Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, if you were to go bet on it right now, you wanted to wager on where Justin Fields' next team is going to be. I mean, Lauren might not want to do it, but if you're a Cardinals fan, this might be a little bit of a problem. And we'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show.
Hey, it's Luke. Matt Miller has said some NFL teams are unanimous on who the number one receiver is in the 2024 NFL Draft. So what exactly does that mean for the Arizona Cardinals? We'll ask the ESPN Draft analyst tomorrow at 10-15. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. I think this is something that the Chicago Bears need to get wrapped up by the end of the combine, which starts next Thursday. Like, they need to get this wrapped up because it's almost like musical chairs. And once all of the chairs get filled up with quarterbacks on the quarterback carousel, you lose leverage when it comes to the potential return you can get in a Justin Fields trade. So, I mean, the more vacancies, the more seats that are available, the better chances that you have if you're GM Ryan Poles of extracting maximum value for Justin Fields services. That's Chris Cansey this morning on ESPN, as you would imagine with the Combine about a week away or so, Gambo. A lot of discourse right now, a lot of conversation about Justin Fields. He, he has been just white smoking hot this week in terms of content, right? Everybody's talking about him because, you know, he says he wants to stay in Chicago. He's unfollowed the Chicago Bears. If you look at the timing of it all, yeah. right, it, 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 it feels like, uh, you know, you and I have both been doing this a long time, kind of feels like Justin Fields' resolution is coming very, very quickly, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I agree with Canty's statement there that the sooner they figured out, the better. Because there are other quarterbacks and there's the draft and you want to you strike as quickly as you can so you can maximize the value. If there's 10 teams that need a quarterback and five are going to draft them and the other five are out there, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, two of those teams go a different direction. Well, now you're just left with three teams, not four or five. Or So the, the more teams that are actively looking at Justin Fields, the higher value you'll get for yeah, him. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, you and I both think, and I know we talked about this yesterday, you and I both think that, that of all the veteran, quote-unquote. I know Justin Fields isn't a veteran, but he's also not a rookie. Of all the veteran quarterbacks that are available... He's got the highest ceiling. Austin, he, he's the one yeah, I think he's he's young, should he's want the most. Right? Talented, yeah. You know, I mean, I know Russ has won a Super Bowl, and I don't know if Russ is going to be available or not, but I think the assumption that is he's going to be. Uh, but he looks like he's lost a step or two. Kirk Cousins, okay, whatever. Ryan Tannehill, right? I mean, they're guys... I'd rather have Fields than all of those all guys. Of them, just all and, of them. And, and I'm not saying he is better, because I don't know. I'm just saying that He's younger and he has more upside. And he wasn't in a great situation in Chicago and he may flourish somewhere else. There's a chance at that. I know what Kirk Cousins is. I know what Ryan Tannell is. I know what Jameis Winston is. I know what all those guys are. I still aren't sure what I have in Justin Fields. It may be good. It may be really good. Um, the Bears are letting him go. You know me, I'm always leery on that. If a team's going to let a guy go, they know something about him you know, more than we do. The Bears have the number one pick. They also have the number nine pick in the draft. Yeah. So they could draft Caleb Williams and then still do something. And not, I expect that they will take a quarterback and that they will move fields to a different team. Yeah, this, this feels a little different than your typical, hey, a team is letting a quarterback go. He must not be very good. Uh, they've got the number one pick. We all know the value of having a quarterback on a rookie contract and what that means you can do with the rest of the roster that that no matter how much you might like Justin Fields I gotta imagine that's very very enticing to have the number one pick and know that financially you're you know you're, you're just not gonna be overpaying for that guy for those next few years and it allows you to kind of roster build around him Fields uh, on that podcast yesterday quote yeah of course of course I want to stay I can't see myself playing in another place but I know how the league is if it was up to me I would stay in Chicago I love the city the city's lit the fans there they're great but it's a business i ain't got no control over it lauren was telling me before the show in the ultimate middle finger to the city of chicago 
You want to tell Gambo what you told me? This is great. This is this. Is, if you didn't think he was out before, now you know you know for oh, sure he's going to be I out. I did not hear this. Take it away, Lauren. Go ahead. Go ahead. On the podcast, he states that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. Bye. It's his ticket out of the city. Chicago says, see wow. you later. See ya. But didn't Durant kind of hint at that in that boardroom piece that LeBron, because he's done it longer, is yeah. better than Jordan? But Durant- he's not the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> Durant doesn't play in Chicago. If Durant played in Chicago, he might have chosen his words a little bit I, more carefully. I write that off to the generation, the generation gap. The younger kid that never watched Jordan play. But but was watch LeBron play and assumes that LeBron is the best because that's his era. That that's what he knows. Sacred, hallowed ground you're treading on in Chicago. When you I know say in Chicago you kind of better than Michael you Jordan. You kind of got to know. Um, you you got to yeah know your audience, right? That's, yeah. that's one of my favorite phrases. Know your audience. And uh, Justin Fields, I think maybe knows that Chicago is not going to be his audience much longer. The point of all of this is that right now, if you were to bet on where Justin Fields' next team is going to be, okay. the leader in the clubhouse is the Atlanta Falcons organization. Wow. The Falcons moved ahead of the Steelers to become the favorites to be the team that Justin Fields plays for in 2024. Okay. Steelers moved to uh, second. Patriots are third. The Bears are fourth. The odds are it's like minus 130 for him to go to Atlanta, which isn't a great bet. Steelers are plus 350. The Patriots are plus 700. The Bears are plus 750. The reason I bring this up is... The Falcons have the eighth pick in the draft. If they go get Justin Fields, you can draw a thick black line through their name as a team that would move up with the Cardinals in the draft. No chance. They're out. No chance. They're out. Which is too bad because eighth is a really nice, comfy spot to go. Because I'd still probably get one of the top two offensive linemen there if I want to go offensive linemen. Yeah, or one of the other receivers if you wanted to go one of the the top wide receivers. You know, it's interesting because the Falcons had that run with Matt Ryan for, I don't know, it seemed like he was there for 15 years. He was there for a long time. They had the run with Michael Vick, and then obviously Matt Ryan came in, and uh, Matt Ryan was there forever. Uh, And then they had Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke, and they just, the last couple of years, they've really struggled at the quarterback. They don't have that guy. You know, when they had Matt Ryan, they had a guy. They had a guy. I mean, he won a lot of football games for them, a lot of football games. He was Super Bowl. Got him to a Super Bowl. I mean, you know, you knew what you had in him. He was good. You kept him, and then he got old, and now you're trying to find the next guy that can help you win, you know, 11, 12, 13 games like Matt Ryan did several times when he was the Falcons quarterback. Yeah, and and Justin Fields paired with, and I think he even talked about it on the podcast, the the, the one with the St. Browns, where, where he's like, yeah, Atlanta, man, Bajon Robinson, awesome, and, and so much talent. Kyle Pitts, awesome, yes. and Drake London, awesome. You know, maybe they even need one more wide receiver. Yes, Lauren? You, he followed all of them on Instagram. No, he did not. Yes, he did. <laughs> also, Jamal pointed out to me what? earlier today that Uno, Justin Fields' dog, unfollowed the Bears as well. Okay, one. How does this dog have an Instagram account? Oh, I'm sure Justin runs it for He's adorable. It's a little French bulldog, and he's Uno because Fields wears number one. That's and he fantastic. wears. He made an Instagram around. account for his dog? <laughs> yeah, I'll show you it. It's adorable. <laughs> Why do people do that? I don't know. You love dogs. I'm kind of I love dogs. I don't create an Instagram I, account for my dog. I'm surprised Chelsea hasn't created Instagram accounts for their Maybe dogs. she has that. I don't know it. They don't. They unfollowed you. Oh, that's a bad sign. <laughs> my dog unfollowed me. Chelsea's, Imagine Chelsea's, you unfollowed by your own dog. Can you imagine? 
imagine? Oh, that's that's a sign that. Uh, oh, that it's over. Yeah, it's that, over. That yeah. You're leaving Chicago, and you're not the franchise quarterback anymore. If your if your wife's dog is unfollowing you on social media, <laughs> does Booker's dog have an Instagram account? Anybody? Why would anybody? I'm sure, he does. An Instagram account of a dog. Jamal is sure he does. He's got shoes named after him now. The what? The dog? Yeah. The book ones that are black with yeah. the silver, uh-huh. they're the haven. A first dog. dog. First yeah. dog. Hell yeah. Really? Yeah. I Listen, I love dogs, but I think sometimes we go a little absurd here. <laughs> I've seen people create Instagram accounts for their infants, like babies. Like they have their own Instagram account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, wow, it gets pretty wow. ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe this is a missed marketing opportunity for you, Gambo. Seriously, I think you're missing out on something here. I think your dog. What are your dog's names again? Fred. Fred. Right, said Fred. And, yeah. And, he was uh, named after Fred Flintstone. Oh, really? Not- so in the rescue, when the rescue sale, I'll just tell you the story, okay? Yeah. So we got. He's ten years old. We took him from a rescue. We adopted him. He was, you know, we lost our heart dog Armani, you know, a year ago, and Chelsea really suffered with that. We waited about six, seven months, and then she felt the time was right to go save a dog, rescue a dog. Yeah. So we went to this. Uh, we, uh, we 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 got this dog out of a rescue. He was in a shed with thirty-five other dogs. He was living in a crate with three dogs. I mean, really bad situation. The rescue saved these dogs, and they named all of them after the Fr- Flintstones characters, Fred. Wilma, Barney, Bam Bam, you know, all of the every, all the all of the dogs were named after some character that was on Fred Flintstone, and he was Fred. He was Fred. He was Fred. So he was pre-named as Fred from the rescue, not from whoever owned him and put him in a shed and locked him away for that. We so we got Fred, and we just we kind of kept him kinda as Fred. Stuck with Fred. We kept him as Fred. That's a cool story. I don't have an Instagram account for him. <laughs> well, none that you know of, anyway. Not that I, I know. Have to check with your check with your wife. Maybe she's uh. created an Instagram account for Fred. Who knows? Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. But if he goes to Atlanta, then you can scratch that team off the list for the Arizona Cardinals if it was even on there. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, okay, we can all admit it's not working in Detroit, but is he really in trouble? Is the former Suns coach really in trouble in Detroit? We'll talk about that next on Burns and Gambo. Everybody, Dan Bickley here, and the Suns begin their stretch run tonight in Dallas. We'll be all over it starting tomorrow at 6 a.m. on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here on the Burns and Gambo show where the 27-game stretch to end the season, and I say that, the, the season still has two months to go. It's not like it's right around the corner for the Phoenix Suns. But after a week without NBA basketball and a week without the Phoenix Suns, it's go time tonight. 5.30 start against the Dallas Mavericks. Hugely important game for the Phoenix Suns right out of the shoots. The tiebreaker with Dallas is on the line tonight. It's possible that tonight's winner ends up winning the sixth spot over the seventh spot or the fifth over the sixth or something like that. And that thing could matter very much if these two teams are close, like a lot of people think they're going to be. So that game starts at 530. We'll have it here for you on Arizona Sports. In the meantime, um, so Jacques Vaughn lost his job as the head yes, coach. Yes, Kevin Ollie took over about a week ago. And so as you would expect something like this to happen, one prominent national website, Bleacher Report, took a stab at guessing the five coaches whose seats are the hottest. Five. Right now. Five. Five coaches. Um, some of them are very obvious. Chauncey Billups, obvious. Jason Kidd, obvious. That's won six in a row. Yeah, well, yeah, but there's kind of a bigger picture that maybe you're missing with Jason Kidd, how, what they haven't been able to accomplish there in Dallas. Uh, Steve Clifford, okay, fine. Darvin Ham, yeah, sure, totally makes sense. Monty Williams, 
Monty Williams. Mo- Monty Williams? How do you fire a... You don't. Mon- <sighs> you don't. You can't. Can you, you afford not to? You can't. It's not It's not cap money. It's just owner money. I, we always say this all the time. That's a lot of owner money. That's a lot of owner money. I know. Bad investment. I mean, write it off. It's a tax write-off. I don't know what you're going to... Listen, I saw Monty. I was at the Detroit game when they played here. Monty walked by me and Tim Ring when we were doing the show and said hello. You know, pleasantries, that type of stuff. Did he um, throw $100 bills in your direction just for no, fun? No, he can't, you know, no. No, he, he didn't do that. No, he didn't okay. yell at me or anything. He wasn't pissed that I had told the world that what what he did with Aiton and um, Jay Crowder and stuff like that, you know, because I knew. Okay. Um, I don't, you know... You've got this. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. And, and this, and you have to think about it like this. They've got a lot of terrific young players on that roster. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kate Cunningham has taken a big step back this year. You know, Jaden Ivey, um, Doran. If you don't believe that Monty's the right guy for the, are you going to ruin those kids? Because Monty's not invested. What if Monty's heart is just not in this? Hey, Monty, why did you take that job? $78.5 million. Why? But if he's really not that invested in being the head coach and he's not going to give you everything he has, can you take the, like, you're talking about $78 million. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the investment of an entire roster of young kids that were all drafted with top five picks over the last few years. Yeah. Can all- you afford not to fire him if he's not the right Those guy? Those are all really Good points. I just, I, I will bet however many lunches you want that at the end of this season, Monty Williams will not get fired as the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. They, they will give him at least one more year. Now, a year from now, sure. Put him on all the lists you want. A year from now, I, 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 everything you're saying makes sense. But you're one year in to the most expensive coaching contract in the history of the NBA. I don't think you can hit eject out of that after one year. Okay, let me just let, let, let me turn this around locally for you. I just want to, I just want to see your sure, opinion. Sure. Diamondbacks have a terrible manager. Not Trey Lavello. He's very good. Diamondbacks have a terrible manager. Mm-hmm. You've got Corbin Carroll and Gabriel Moreno and Alec Thomas, and you've got Brandon Fott, and you've got all these young kids. Can you, just because the guy has a bad contract, can you like, hey, listen, I'll fire you next year, but I'm not going to fire you now, and waste what could be a year of those of developing those kids properly? It, may, it makes it difficult to do it, but if that manager has a track record of success like Monty does, it's easier to stick with him and say, let's give him one more year to see if he can figure oh, it so out. You're banking on him figuring it out. Just, I, I'm just I'm banking on the idea like like I gotta buy myself another year to see if he can figure okay, it out. Okay. Like if said manager, it's a really good example, if said manager comes in here and appears to be ruining the careers of all of these young players, yeah, you're level of tolerance for that isn't going to be real high, but if that manager has shown you success over the last 10 or 15 years of his career of being the right guy for the job, of being a good Major League Baseball manager, and you're paying him $80 million, mm. I think you're going to be inclined to give him one more year to see if he can figure okay. out and not be so quick triggered okay, about I, it. I buy that. I, I thought maybe part of the logic, so I buy what you're saying. I do buy what you're saying. I thought part of the logic could be 
he got $78 million. Like, you've got to get that number down before you fire him. Well, what's the difference in one year? $12 million? Oh, yeah, no, no. Well, it, like, what, what, pay, paying he's getting about $12, 13000000 million a year. So 78 after this year is probably down to like 66 that sure. you owe him. Okay, so buy him out at 66 or buy him out at 54. What the hell's the difference? There's, there's, there, there's not that much of a okay, difference on when that it comes angle, to that. Right. Okay, okay, on that one. But the idea, I mean, if, and if Monty had, had no success in his, in his professional life, you know, has no resume to back him up, then okay, let's talk. But Monty's, you know, if not a proven commodity, at least he's shown he can win in this league and he kind of knows what it takes. I, I think his career has bought him another year. You know, no matter how bad things might be in Detroit. But, uh, you know, it's you it's, have to find a way to get him motivated to be. He went from a team that had stars, well, was in the NBA, NBA Finals, and, to a project with a bunch of young kids. Something you said did resonate a little bit about this. All right. And, and I will admit this when it comes to Monty. He didn't want to get back into coaching. No. He seemed perfectly content to not get. In fact, if if memory serves, the story was the Pistons made a run at him. He said, yeah, no, I'm good. The Pistons explored a few other options, and the Pistons came back at him and said, okay, we're going to give you $78 million in money. He's like, okay, done. Right. And, and it's those guys that you do have to wonder, you know, how much does he love it or how much is he doing it? Because, man, you just wrote a really big check, and I can't <laughs> say no to this, you know? And and so for that reason, but like I say, all my friend, all the lunches you want on whether Monty Williams gets fired at the end of the season. I don't think he will either. Um, all, I'll bet but you the question all is, the you question want. to me is, should he be fired? Should he be fired? Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran, mm-hmm. the young, you know, uh, they got a lot of quality young players that they've drafted and invested a lot of money in. They've got to make sure that works. All right, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, Newsmakers Week continues here on Arizona Sports. Monty Ossenfort, the general manager of the Cardinals, was on this morning with Bickley and Murata. And if you think the fix to the Cardinals lies within free agency, just listen to what Monty had to say. Chances are it doesn't. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.